I'm Derek. And I'm Heather. And this is Let's Talk Outdoors. Today we are chatting with Michelle Wolberg. Michelle, the first person from Saskatchewan to ever be on the TV show alone, shares stories about being on the show, lessons learned, and a little bit about what she's doing now. I'm really excited about this episode. Uh, I'm a huge fan of Alone, and um, I'm really excited to have the chance to chat with Michelle today. Yeah, so am I. I am most interested to hear about some of the behind the scenes aspects that I wonder about every time I watch the show. So I'm excited for Michelle to talk a little bit about that. Awesome. Let's get rolling. Welcome to the show, Michelle. We're happy to have you today. Thanks for having me on, guys. Okay, so Michelle, you grew up in Saskatchewan. Um, I did. And kind of people think of it like as like northern Saskatchewan, but kind of in the middle of Saskatchewan, eh? That's exactly right, yeah. And as then, far as populations go, kind of north, but as far as land goes, definitely not. Yeah. Um, and so you found yourself on uh, Alone Season 6, where you spent 48 days yep. in the Arctic. Um, so, yeah. Subarctic. It's, Subarctic. It's, it's marketed as Arctic, but like, let's let's be completely transparent. I wasn't quite in the Arctic. We had some trees. <laughs> <laughs> Just below, like 50 kilometers or something. Yeah. 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 Um, so how did you, how did you decide to, to go on this journey? How did that come about? Well, I think to even apply to be on a television show and think you're going to make it, you have to be a little bit conceited, honestly, um, <laughs> maybe a little bit full of yourself because um i'm not the type to even watch television so um i didn't even i didn't even own a television till after i had made the tv show and it was coming on air so for my husband to watch it we got a television from a neighbor so <laughs> this is my personality okay? um and i had just been told kind of repeatedly like hey have you seen that show you should go on that show it was kind of like season one and season two had already been out and so people just kept, kept telling me that I should, I should be on this TV show. And I've been told about this, but other TV shows, like I should go on survivor. I should go on, you know, whatever, like, Oh, I could totally do these shows. And I'm like, I could not care. Like nothing could be farther from my desire or what I would even possibly care about doing is being on a television show. Yeah. <laughs> and so, I watched the season one and I watched a few episodes of the se of season two of alone. And I was like, well, hot dang, I really should be on that TV show. <laughs> <laughs> so I applied and they had already cast uh, for season three and they had, or season three had already was already released. I just hadn't seen it yet. Sorry. And then season four had already been cast. Season five was a redemption series season. And I made season six. So I put in my amplet. I just put applied online. I found like Googled it, found out how to apply. I, <laughs> I submitted some footage of myself, answered some questions. And, and then one day it was like in February of 2018. And they were like, Hey, remember when he sent in this application years ago to be on the TV alone show? And I was like, yeah, I remember that kind of. And they're like, well, congratulations. You've been selected for further vetting, you know? And I was yeah. like, huh. <laughs> wow. <laughs> okay. No? I guess I'm and in I, this now. <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh, cool. Well, I'm kind of busy. Does that mean like, <laughs> I guess you can't really wait, right? So um, you don't know, like, I didn't know I'd made the TV show in February. I actually found out I had made the TV show about exactly one month before I had to get on a plane to leave to go be on the TV show. Oh, Everything at that point was vetting. Yeah. So <laughs> they told me there was 21,000 applicants for that season. And like, let's be honest, little Michelle over here from rural redneck Saskatchewan, as we talked about. And now I've made an impression on TV bigwigs and producers out of 21,000 other people. And now they want me to go survive, you know, against people who literally have spent their entire lives preparing for this exact thing. And I'm just like, I'm just kind of redneck 
Honestly, you know, I mean to say I drive an old truck with four by four and I like going quadding and skidooing and hunting and fishing and trapping, you know, it just kind of like the story of every rural Saskatchewan resident. And I'm just that person. Yeah. And they saw something in me that they wanted, you know, to put on this TV show. So then I made the TV show and and then they drop you off out of a helicopter without ever having seen the place or know anything about the place. You're going to get dropped off and they give you about 75 pounds of camera gear. And they're like, OK, well, you know, I guess uh, good luck with that. And we'll see you at some point in the future. <laughs> wow. And that was it. <laughs> so you applied years before you were actually yep. contacted by the TV show. And then you only have That's a it. month to prepare between like knowing that you're going on the show and actually beginning the, the 48 days that you spent out there. So how did you prepare physically, mentally? Oh, you know, there's a huge process that goes along with that. I mean, you are not allowed to tell people you're where you're going or what you're doing. You're not even allowed to tell people the casting process or, or anything, you know? So I had to quit my job. I was working, um, and I, in fact, I had more than one job. I was working uh, as a personal care assistant at the local uh, old folks home as a care aide. I was doing house cleaning and renovation. So I was doing painting for people and building garden sheds and stuff like that. I also had a whole farm going. So I had chickens and rabbits and geese and ducks and horses and, you wow. know, the whole, a whole bunch of homesteading relating things, a big garden. I was looking after my grandma. I'm a mom, you know, I'm a wife, all of these things. And I quit everything. So I gave away all of my animals. I quit my jobs. I told my friends that I was leaving. I sold my horses. I kept one horse and I took it to your neighbor's house. And the conversation went like this, like, can you look after my horse? She's like, yeah, for sure. Like for how long? And I'm like, I don't know, maybe a year. <laughs> and so you're not going to be able to talk to me about anything because I'm going to be unreasonable. So if there's something like a vet bill or whatever, call this other friend and here's her phone number. And she also doesn't know what's going on, but she'll help financially with anything that's going to come up that, you know, and it was like, <laughs> and, and so I was like, like a can secret you just, agent or like, yeah, uh, exactly. Uh, you just trust that at some point I'm going to be back, but it could take a year because I signed the contract thing. I would live, you know, for the TV show up to a year. And I was like, well, it'll never go for a year, but I guess I have to prepare for that sort of thing happening. And my, like our son, my husband and I kind of lived in separate houses. He lives in Saskatoon because he's a uh, trades a stock market. So he needs super fast internet. Yeah. Um, and here we can barely have cell phone service. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, so he was there and our son lived with me full time. He hadn't started kindergarten yet. So he was out on the farm with me doing farm stuff. And so he had to move to Saskatoon to, you know, he started kindergarten there. My grandma had to move into a care home an assisted living place because I was leaving. I couldn't look after her any longer. Um, and then like, so that's just your personal life to get into order. And yeah. then there's like trying to source all of the gear that you're going to take on the TV show, like your 10 items, the clothes that you're going to wear, you know, like the things that you're going to take, just trying to prepare yourself physically, even to even just be able to leave. And then mentally, you know, there's things you have to do too. And and for your own physical health, like I naturally carry a high uh, muscle ratio, I guess, you know, just from doing a lot of manual labor. And so I would say that I carry a few extra pounds of, of uh, you know, valuable fat resources, <laughs> but I needed more knowing yeah. that I was going to need that extra cal, those extra calories packed onto my body. Um, you know, going into a, a severe calorie deficit. So, you know, I also had to gain a ton of weight and try to lose some of the muscle mass um, because it's going to just, you, you're going to burn through so many calories, you know, so much yeah. faster having right. a high, you know, and so there were so many things like that. I'm like, okay, well, you know, you have to start preparing that just in case you make the show, you're going to have to put some of these things into play. But <laughs> I mean, it's different when you're actually told, okay, well you did make it like, 
Mm-hmm. It's very different than going, well, maybe that's going to happen, you know, or it's not. And you've just prepared for, you know, how many, how long quitting your jobs and rehoming your animals for no reason, you know, <laughs> like there's, there's a lot that goes into it. That's really, um, I think that, you know, you just don't get to really know about. Yeah. So nobody could know, but your husband must've known, like you right. could tell so my him husband something. Yeah, my husband was allowed to know. And so there was um, a few people who were allowed to know. Okay. Um, but they weren't allowed to know all of the details. Right. So they were allowed to know if it was going to like directly, if they were directly involved in some of the process. So if you win the TV show, which, spoiler, you know, <laughs> I didn't. <laughs> um, but if you win, you have to have three people on standby to come that the TV show can contact to come and tell you that you won the TV show. Right. So my husband was one, of course, was number one choice, but he's also going to be a full time stay at home dad. You know, so is he even going to be able to leave on the drop of the hat to go on to location for a couple of weeks, right. you know, leading up to me, you know, whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so if he couldn't make it, who was my backup? So one was my cousin, David, who also kind of made a cameo in the TV show introduction when they're introducing me. Mm-hmm. And then the other one was my husband's cousin, uh, Kevin, who uh, didn't make the TV show because he lives in Alberta. But I need so those people knew and my grandma knew. Yeah. But really outside of that, um, nobody really knew what was happening. Like a few people kind of had to know, like, you know, there were backup childcare people that I had to put into place. And, but otherwise I live in a really small community. And if word got out about it, Mm -hmm. it could even jeopardize me being, allowed to go on the tv show because mm-hmm. if you can't keep a secret before you go you're certainly not going to be able to keep a secret after you come back if you won the tv show or if you know who won the tv show and that's going to cost them potentially the whole season you right. know there's huge financial implications involved and right. the amount of non-disclosure agreements and stuff you have to sign it's kind of kind of crazy how, how do you uh how do you prep your son for leaving away for that um You know, we, so my mom died when I was very young and I didn't really realize, I mean, it was always, I always kind of start my story there because I was seven, right? My mom died when I was seven, passed away when I was really, really young. And the reason why I generally start my story there is because it's such a huge milestone in, you know, in what my story is. And I didn't want my son to grow up to go to ever have to start his story if like something happened to me and I passed away or you know something like that I didn't want my son's story to start at that point Mm -hmm. I wanted there to be a beginning before that and you know in a story after that and so we had had uh, some really close friends just pass away completely unexplicably one from a heart you know a heart attack like that at a super young age it just never should have never should have happened and it Mm -hmm. really affected us really deeply so I started this teaching with my son um, where, you know, it was kind of like a mantra I had made where I would say, you're, you know, if you're starting to miss mom, all you have to do, you know, is listen to your heart because I grew you inside of me. My blood is your blood. You were grown from my bones, my, my strength and my, my memory and my ancestors memory and everything like that has already been passed down through you. It's already too, you know, it's already inside of you. And so when the going gets tough, just remember, you know, that I already left you with everything inside of you that you're going to need and you just have to find it and believe in yourself. And so even when he was really little, you know, he's little now, he's almost eight, but it was, (laughs) I would say, I love that. Somewhere quiet. Yeah. I would say um you'd have to go uh listen to your heart, you know, yeah. like listen, listen to your heart. If you're if you're starting to really must mom, listen for your own heartbeat because your heartbeat is the same as my heartbeat. Yeah. And you know, that's really, really and then I remember in the airport, my husband, I uh he took off my wedding band because I wasn't allowed to wear any jewelry or anything. So 
uh, I made him take off my wedding, my wedding ring so that he was, you know, he was holding it while I was gone. And, and my son was running around the airport because it's a super big adventure for him, you know, even being in an airport at yeah. five. And uh, I said, okay, hey, like mommy's leaving. Like, I'm, you're not going to be able to phone me. I'm not going to be able to talk to you. I'm not going to know anything that's happening. You're not going to know anything that's happening with mommy. And I said, what are you going to do if you start missing me? And he just said, I'm going to, you know, oh, I just, I'll just listen to my heart, mom. That's it. <laughs> oh. You know, like, I was like, <laughs> you know, like water works because yeah. it was so emotional going yeah. like, you don't know what's going to happen to you exactly, but you know, from the history of the TV show, probably not going to be real good. <laughs> like, yeah, the outcomes of the majority of the participants hasn't been glowing. <laughs> you, can, you can tell yourself whatever you want, but likely there's going to be a lot of hardships and probably starvation <laughs> waits for you. And you're still like, yeah, I can't wait to go and yeah. do that. <laughs> Let me add it. Cool. Yeah. So Michelle, I'd like to hear more about like you're, you have a behind the scenes look like so many people don't have. And I've always wondered about like the 75 pounds of camera equipment and the fact that you are in charge of filming because there's no, there's nobody else behind the camera. Like it's all you. And um, Derek, would you mind chatting about what you compared it to? Oh yeah. As I was watching through, (laughs) uh, I'm always intrigued because everybody talks to camera and it seems like everybody has uh, moments that are just like like dancing or singing or uh, poetry or like whatever they're just telling talking to the camera and i kind of likened it to um like tom hanks with wilson and castaway where like that volleyball keeps you sane because you have someone to talk to and i that was like yeah. is it similar like is that camera offer you some way to have someone to talk to for sure so you're not allowed to have a pen and paper or a journal or a book really? or anything like that there's no there's nothing like that. Like you could huh. create um, a story stick or if you made paper or birch bark or whatever, and yeah. use like you, you could devise a way to create your own writings, but it's right. not like you're allowed to take a pen and a pencil. Yeah. So, and the reason is, is because they want all of those moments captured on camera. Mm-hmm. So you, when you wake up, if it's in the middle of the night or first thing in the morning or late at night or all throughout the day, a hundred percent of the time, your camera needs to be rolling. You need to be filming every part of your game. It's an agreement that you make for even being on the TV show. And of course, some participants are going to feel super vulnerable about showing an emotional part of their day on the camera, you know, and they're maybe not going to film it. Uh, That wasn't the, that wasn't the outlook that I took with that. You know, I filmed everything, the good, the bad, and the ugly, and they chose to use whatever they wanted out of that footage to create a story that they could tell with the less than one hour of footage time each contestant gets, you know? Um, You know, so it's kind of, people says like, oh, well, why didn't you try fishing? And I think like... (laughs) Yeah. Whoa. Why, why would you think I didn't try fishing? Like, they're like, well, we didn't, I didn't, I never saw you fishing. And I'm like, yeah, cause I never caught anything. It doesn't mean I didn't spend like the majority of my time casting lines into the water yeah. actually just when I was in a really super shallow spot, which you can actually see from satellite. Yeah. And I still tried anyway, cause yeah. it's kind of, that's it, you know, like probably and, the, the first attempt at fishing wasn't to create the barge. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, that was that was later on. And then yeah. I did create like a little paddle boat to get myself out. And it was incredibly rickety and incredibly dangerous. And I, I only went out and fully nude because if I fell in the water, I wanted to, you know, <laughs> my clothes on line, land dry. And so I'm sure that's why they never use that footage. Yeah. Because it's not uh-huh. and it's minus five. It's not really that cold yet. Like she can be fully naked and still be comfortable, you know? And they're like, that doesn't really fit the narrative of the, the TV show is somebody like having a sauna every night in their shelter. So, yeah. you know, <laughs> because part of this TV show is about the drama that they can create. Um, and, and like, to be fair, there's tons of drama that happens um, in each of each contestant's journey on location. But the, the TV show isn't about who is going to survive the best and the longest. The TV show isn't necessarily about who's having the best time or who has the most skills. 
the TV show was designed with the setup of what people are willing to push themselves through mm-hmm. alone with limited resources for how long. So if you're in it for purely the money, there's going to be a point in time when you go, wow, I am risking lifelong complications here, as some of the contestants have seen in their every, you know, in their lives, it takes years to recover from this. And they're like, it's not worth any amount of money, which is why we saw that on the redemption season, uh, contestants who had pushed them, their bodies extremely hard in their first seasons, their second one, they're like, no, I know how this ends. And I'm yeah. not going to put myself through that again, because I yeah. know if I'm not doing well by this point, I ain't got what it takes for this exact location at this right. exact point in time. Mm-hmm. And, right. and, you know, so, so part of this, the beauty that alone is that uh, they were really able to capture is the mental toll that it takes being alone, having to do all of those tasks under pretty, what can be pretty harsh circumstances and pretty hard to emulate in real life. So, a lot of people, you know, will send you comments or messages or in casual conversation. They'll say, oh, well, I mean, I've spent lots of time out in the woods. I could do that. No problem. And I always laugh because I've also spent a lot of time out in the woods by myself. <laughs> no problem. <laughs> but when you cut off all contact with your family and you don't know what's happening at home and yeah. you have no idea what is coming for you next. You have no idea what the other contestants are doing. You can't leave whenever you want. I mean, you can, but it means you're quitting. It means yeah. you're calling an end to the TV show, which means for me, I wasn't able, I was never going to quit easily. Yeah. Um, and there's no shame in just going, well, I'm done. I tried. And that was the end of this. But for me, you know, it was more complicated than just going home. And so when people say that, I think, you know, they just don't really know the exact parameters that the TV show puts you under. It's really, really hard to understand. And full disclosure, I didn't understand it until I was out there for about 20 days. Mm-hmm. Not that I started suffering at 20 days, but I went, wow, this is about the amount of time, you know, kind of a week, a week and a half, um, 14 days, probably about the maximum time that I spent truly alone. Um without any human interaction of some kind, whether right. it's reading a book that somebody wrote, uh, watching something on your smartphone, on television, having a phone conversation, using a walkie-talkie to check in with somebody, checking the weather, yeah. right? Like they were cut <laughs> off from all of those things. Yeah, And there is a place in your mind that you get to go that becomes more primal, but there's definitely um, uh, a little pinnacle there that you got to get yourself over if that's the right word you know a little hump that you have to go oh okay well this is really actually happening i'm actually here now um you know how do i how do i get my mind to move past this need or want for a human community I guess. <laughs> yeah base like a essential human thing of like wanting to be with people how do i suppress oh, that right yep Cause I'm not, I would not say that I'm necessarily a person who needs a ton of human interaction. I'm not like a toucher or a hugger that's got to run around hugging people. No offense to those people who do. I just kind of want to vomit if somebody wants to do that. To me. <laughs> it's, like a, it's like a well-known thing with Michelle, you know? Don't hug Michelle. So I, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's a Michelle thing. Yeah. Um, so I don't, dera- I don't need that in, in my everyday life. However, humans evolve to do better when you're living in a community mm-hmm. and we we've seen it in you know everywhere humans don't necess- don't usually thrive real well when they're cut off from everybody else case in point we can look at what covid is doing to people's mental health yeah currently mm-hmm. in this pandemic yeah. it's it, and that is a very small piece of what contestants feel like being on that TV show, hmm. you know? Um, so you were kind of alluding to, um, to what, 
what brought you to leave the show or leave after 48 days. Um, But I'm wondering if first you could talk about like the medical checks and that's another background or a piece of background information that you might have. So um, how often do they come and do the medical checks on a loan? And then would you say you like looked forward to the contact with another person that those medical checks brought? So the medical checks are generally completely dependent on the health of the contestant. You do not know when they're coming um, without maybe a few hours notice. We do have the same thing that allows us to tap out of the TV show. They will send you a message that says it's medical check day. That way they don't have to come tromping through the bush to find you. So you're supposed to just stick around your your home and uh, wait for them to show up at, you know, whenever time that they happen to show up at. So, um I only had a few medical checks. I wasn't like they do. And it's not just for your physical health that they check. They also uh, assess you for your cognitive and mental health as well. So you have to kind of go through a series of like um, of checks. You know, it's not just you're checking your blood pressure. There's other things involved there as well. So I was really actually strong uh, all the way up until the very end. Uh, the last week I started to get ill. Um, I So I didn't actually get a lot of medical checks. And people always want to know, well, how do they, there must be a camera mount because there's no way you could have all the batteries you need to film everything. And, and that's true. We would never be able to have enough batteries, but they do a blind drop. So I send a message that says uh, media low. And so I put everything in a wet dry bag. Uh, or a dry bag and I just put it out on you know under a rock and and then they come at some point and then they just swap that out and I'm not allowed to have any interaction with them mm-hmm. so and as far as wanting a medical check in the human interaction it was actually really hard to have somebody come in and invade your space and get you out of your headset I guess yeah. and then mm-hmm. and then to have to go put yourself back into it And also the medical checks always left me with a certain amount of stress. Like they came and I'm like, Hey, well, are they going to come back now in a couple of days and tell you that you're, you're losing too much weight or you're not, Uh, you know, or or any of those things. And so you'd always have like a amount of stress because, you know, I can't speak for everybody. You know, my own personal experience was, was that I never wanted to go home like I was in it to win it (laughs) that was you know and even when I did call for extraction I they were coming for a medical check on me that day and I didn't know it I hadn't got their message I didn't know that they were coming on the day that I left um and instead of me tapping out that day it would have been uh, an emergency medical evacuation Mm -hmm. I just didn't know that they were coming Mm -hmm. and uh even when, you know, when I called and told them I, that I needed to go home, they didn't really believe me because the last time they had seen me, I was, I had moved up to one of the strongest mentally and prepared um, contestant during that time. So my mental reasoning and cognitive abilities and uh, all of it. I was really strong and I had stopped losing weight and I had my, my traps out, you know, and I had all of these big plans and all I was doing was waiting for it to get cold enough to freeze the ice Mm -hmm. so that I could get out ice fishing. And Mm -hmm. I was just playing a waiting game. I was like, I need like another week or two. And then if I'm out ice fishing and I can get into that, you know, I needed to get out about 500 yards off the shore to get into deep enough water where the fish were going to be. And I was like, it's all over. I'll be here till summertime. Yeah. You know, like I'm, I'm set now, you know, yeah. it's like my shelter currently, I can strip down and have a sauna in it every single night, wash my hair, braid my hair, have some self-care. You know, I've got, I've got food. I've got a, a good grasp of what's going on here. It's all okay. You know? And so I was like, I just need a little bit, I just need it to get cold. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so, you know, the last time that they had saw me, it was like I had moved up, you know, like I wasn't going to get pulled anytime soon for 
starvation. I wasn't going to get pulled anytime soon for having um, mental, you know, the mental stressors that they could see that could start fracturing somebody's ability to stay alone, you know? Right. And so, yeah, I just didn't know. I didn't even know they were coming that day for a medical check. And so when I called them, they said, they were like, yeah, okay, like, is it an emergency? And I was like, like, they're like, do we need to send a helicopter? And I was like, ah, <laughs> ah, 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 yeah, probably fine, you know, but like when, when are you guys going to come like today or tomorrow? Cause like, I don't, I probably shouldn't wait till tomorrow. Like I probably need to go today. And because even then I didn't want to be like, yeah, no, I probably need a helicopter, yeah. but I did. Right. And I had to go to the hospital and I needed five liters of fluid. I intravenously before my heart would stabilize, you know, because I was so far gone by that point, I was just like, well, good and they so they came and they're trying to film me i'm like falling over and i don't even remember much of it because i was so out of it at that point um you know i'd been vomiting for three days and i know they, they, they can't show everything on television and it's easier just to go well it was this one thing but like no i had a serious some serious medical complications going on that is not easily explained by any one thing you know yeah. like it it just mm -hmm. snowballed and and like i said five liters of fluid later before my heart wanted to beat normally you know like that last night i knew i was probably gonna die and i was like well if i don't go to sleep i can't die right so <laughs> i'll just wait till morning or else the military is gonna have to come and extract me god that would be embarrassing so i'm just not gonna sleep i'm just gonna pass out periodically from pain and fever and dehydration and erratic heartbeat because it can't you know keep blood flowing throughout my body properly but i'll still wait till morning to call <laughs> still wait because i'm still awake and i'm yeah. pretty friggin' stubborn so yeah. you know like why didn't you like michelle like this is stupid like you almost died i was like yeah well i mean if i would have went to sleep probably i mean maybe yeah, you would have found me passed out when you came for your medical check but i probably would have been able to be revived like it wasn't that bad yet <laughs> You you made like oh, a wow. like a last sort of like wishes sort of thing there at that moment where you like yeah this might was that when you were kind of like this might go south or like were you oh I knew for three days that I needed to go home yeah like the last week like it, I knew like when I started vomiting and I couldn't hold down sips of water I knew I was, <laughs> I like, was uh -oh. mm -hmm. yeah yeah because you lose there's no real good way in nature to get salt yeah like you can use plants if you can find them and you can bake them you know bake them down in ashes to make an ash cake to help get some salt which is yeah. really super hard to do it you know it's really yeah. super hard to find those especially in in certain areas you know there's a reason why entire empires were built on salt trade you know mm -hmm. it and when you start vomiting like that you lose your salt there's no way to get it back the amount that you're putting out. Yeah. And so I knew that the dehydration and the lack of salt was really going to start affecting me. And sure enough, you know, within the, after the first day I was really, I started to get really super dehydrated just from the vomiting and then the dry heats and I had a fever yeah. and I knew, I knew I needed to go. Um, but uh, on day two, I, I, um, I made the decision, like I was going to have to go and pull all of my snares because I had over, you know, I had over a hundred game snares set out, um, spread over a pretty vast area. Mm -hmm. And I, I was, I was getting, I mean, the fox was eating about two rabbits a week on me, <laughs> but I was still getting, you know, one or two, one or two animals a week to eat. And so, yeah. um, I was killing animals for feeding myself, which I was okay with, but I wasn't okay with leaving all my snares out there, hoping that at some point, maybe the, the survival crew experts were going to go tromping around out there and find them. Like how they're not, yeah. you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And so I spent one entire day uh, just trying to get all of my snares brought in. Like I was falling over and passing out and it was really bad, but I wow. knew just in my brain, I felt like 
that I needed to do that. You know, I knew as my last thing there that I needed to bring all that stuff in and it was going to be final and that it wasn't going to be left there as a mess for somebody else to have to try to clean up. So, um, so I did that. And then that was, so the night of night two was really bad where I thought I was like, well, if I don't go to sleep, I won't die. And for the first time, my, in my entire stay there that night, I took out my, my, um, my extract, button, my emergency extract button that's on your little GPS thing. And like, I'd seen it, you know, I had had to send messages on this thing that said like, I need media or whatever, but you can't talk to somebody about it. Anything other than, in, you know, things of vast importance. And, um, and I took it out of the little pouch, you know, that you always have to carry on your person. And I, I took it out and I looked at it and I put it in my sleeping bag with me, you know, and I was like, wow, it's really bad for me to even take it out and look at it. I'm going to put this in my sleeping bag with me because I might not be able to find it and I might be really bad and I might need a, like an emergency extraction in the middle of the night via helicopter Yeah. by the military, you know, because that's your only extraction option at that mm-hmm. point with the, with the ice conditions that were happening and stuff. So. Um, and then that morning came and you waited, I waited for first light and drug myself outside and, you know, called it in and I knew. And so, but even then, like I said, when I called, they, they didn't really believe me because it was so hard to believe that I had deteriorated so quickly. Um, and then, you know, I got, I went to the hospital for a while and went through treatments there. And then I would say it took me, uh, about a month and a half, almost almost a month and a half for me to be able to actually leave the base camp because I was so sick. I couldn't walk without passing out. Like my heart needed a lot, a lot of pampering to kind of be able to stabilize and, and come, you know, control my blood pressure properly. It was pretty, pretty wonky for quite a while before Mm. I could kind of recover from that. So. So you needed just as much time of recovery as you had out there alone, hey? Yeah. Oh, I mean, and I mean, what will you put your body through in the amount of water you lose? And like I said, the lack of of salt and other things that happens, uh, even the the trauma, like it's almost like a post-traumatic stress disorder, excuse me, that happens when a contestant really doesn't want to quit and they're either forced to leave medically mm-hmm. um, or they're forced to leave on their own because of medical reason or personal reasons or whatever happens. Um, most people have some sort of symptoms like, like, like a post-traumatic stress disorder that actually arises from it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it can take up to a year, if not longer for your body to depends on how hard you pushed it and what your body was used to before, but before it stops gaining weight irrationally, um, before you're physically at the part, you know, at the peak of where you were before you left, there's mm-hmm. a lot of, a lot of healing that has to happen, um, both mentally and physically for mm-hmm. sure. Sorry. I was just digesting all that. That's a lot to think about. Um, yeah. so was there anything that you, that was part of your journey that didn't make the cut. I mean, obviously like what was, I think I calculated to like 1100, uh, like hours of footage or something put down into one. So is there any, any like big things you're like, man, I wish that would have made the cut. Um, Oh, for sure. I mean, like I said, my, my rinky dink boat that I was making you know, <laughs> with the underwear paddle, you know, <laughs> out into yeah. the bay trying to get out there fishing. Also, you know, I never did finish watching my like TV show because I liken it to how, you know, how you read a book and then you watch the movie and you're almost always disappointed at how (laughs) the movie is. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. The reason is, is because when you read a book, your mind fills it in, right? Yeah. Like you imagine it a certain way and the movie or the TV show is just never going to be able to compete with what your mind does. So I lived this experience firsthand and I did all of these things. So for when I was trying to watch it on TV, I was like, 
okay, wait, but no, like I don't, <laughs> first of all, not how I remember it. And I was like, yeah. oh, right. I probably filmed that. And they had yeah. to like piece together 12 days of footage to make a five minute clip of me, you know? Yeah. And so I actually stopped watching it because I felt like their version of what was happening was a little bit different than what my memory was. And I didn't want it to be overwritten, Yeah, you know? And then so I talked to other contestants and I got their firsthand you know, of what they went through. And the same thing, I wanted to remember what their stories were from them, not right. what their TV show was. So, but I just know from talking to other people and they're like, oh no, they never ever showed this or that. You know, I guess I was really comfortable in my shelter. You know, um, I was, it was small and squat and it had the law for love friend built on it and it was airtight. It was smoky because it was so airtight. But <laughs> I, <laughs> I was super warm, you know, like even on the coldest night, it was, um, I didn't have any problems. I would sit, you know, like I said, stripped down in my shelter, having a fire eating, you know, eating, I would always eat at night. I wouldn't eat during the day. I would only eat at night because it gave me, you know, something for my belly to chew on and keep warm while I was sleeping and how comfortable I really was throughout most of that stay there you know and i feel like some of that gets lost in editing and some of it some of it gets lost because it's just not interesting mm. like i said the tv show is about human what we're <laughs> willing to put ourselves through and the suffering aspect of it not necessarily that i'm just sitting by my campfire telling stories yeah <laughs> every single night and every single second just yeah. going like oh god remember when i was out ice fishing and we were falling <laughs> across the lake and whoever yeah. truck you know and it was like <laughs> Everybody was watching because like there was no wheels touching the ground and we were just going to pull everybody off the ice. Like, remember that story? Remember how great that was? Yeah. That's not, it's pretty boring to other people. But for me, I feel like I got my personality and my ability to just go, well, that's totally sucks. I'm just going to keep on rolling with it. It got lost a little bit in the noise of, of, of everything that that they have to try to create a storyline from. Yeah. So I, I kind of wish that some of those things had made the cut, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, and they ch- kind of chose things that I, I guess they felt like other people would be able to relate to. Like mm. they showed me talking about, say, my my wedding ring or, you know, or something like that. When And I was like, but you didn't show like like the five animals that I trapped in the last three days, you know, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. and it shows like I'm been, I'm starving to death, but like, really I'm eating every single day and it's not tons and I'm not doing as well as some of the other contestants did on the show. Yeah. But like myself personally, I trapped more animals than every contestant previously combined did. Hmm. So, you know, <laughs> yeah. because we had the rules and we were allowed to do that. And I was like, but it's not shown. It shows like, like, did you really think I did 48 days and I like one chicken and one rabbit? Yeah. And the fox <laughs> took all the rest of your food. Like how did, how did yeah. you survive that long? Yeah. Yeah. You know, like I just, and, and so it's kind of like, I feel like sometimes some of that gets lost and you understand why when you think about, I mean, how many selfies does somebody take of themselves or like recording little clips before they get like even something usable, Yeah, you know? Mm-hmm. So I definitely understand why they have to, why it's all edited and why it has to get put down the way that it does. And I mean, really, they do a fantastic job with, I'm sure, what most people give them. <laughs> <laughs> so after, um, I guess, your entire experience from the month of preparation, once you learned you were on the show to 48 days alone and then 48 days recovery after and then the year after that, um, what would you say was your biggest lesson from your time on alone? Um, I I think that it was pretty, I think that it's still awesome that I, I mean, I'm always going to, first of all, I'm I'm always going to be super hard on myself. Like nobody's more disappointed than me that I didn't win. (laughs) I was I was like, I know it completely surprised people. <laughs> I, was, I was not prepared for that. <laughs> but having even made the TV show is a little lesson in uh, about believing in yourself. I applied for something when I felt like I was like, hey, you know, I would be a good fit for something like this. Like I do have skills and I do have value. And I mean, 
it's it's just a, it's a lesson. It's a lesson about believing in yourself and the things that you have to offer. You don't have to be an expert and know every single thing about every single something to enjoy liking that something. You can enjoy something without being a um, you know a bona fide expert in it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I feel like that's something that I really I really learned and I really took away from it was just you have to. You know, you have to have that belief in yourself that you have, you have that value and you have something to offer and it doesn't matter throughout your life if the other people see it or don't, as long as you see it in yourself. A question that I always have about the show is with casting. Like it always seems like there's some Mm -hmm. super macho dudes. Maybe there's one girl that cries all the time. There's a few people with complicated backstories. There's always like more guys than there are girls. So knowing some of the contestants now, like can you maybe shed some light on, uh, on how that show casts people or, or does it draw a certain kind of person to the show? I think that the TV show does a really good job of casting a really wide array of characters. It's almost like a, it sounds bad, but it's almost a type cast where mm-hmm. they're like, we want to appeal for the, for the, for the widest audience possible. So we need some women and we need some men and we need some, some men who are clearly, like you said, the alpha dudes. We need some men who are not the alpha dudes, who are just maybe more in tune with um, nature. And then we need some girls who are also the same. So I do know all of the contestants who are on my season. I wouldn't say that I know them, again, uh, intimately or, you know, better than anybody else. But I, I know them fairly well. And if you look back over the seasons, you can kind of really see a similar similar style of person that gets cast. Mm-hmm. And, and I, and I think that's intentionally done um, just to, just to appeal to as many people as possible. I mean, like, let's be honest, I'm not going to be everybody's favorite on the TV show. I never was, <laughs> and I'm never going to be, but there are people who saw me, who saw me out there and you know, the little bit of that they got to saw me or see me on social media. And they're like, Oh yeah, she's totally the person who just made a hand puppet. I mean, I made one. It's not like <laughs> making a rabbit hand puppet is the first time I've made done that. that before. Like I've got them on my social media pages. I've done them out of skunks too. You know, you know, it's like not not everybody. Even though I literally cried over getting that rabbit and I kept it, I still have the rabbit at my house. You know, um, and I ate all parts of it. It's just not gonna. If if the TV show was just filled with people like Michelle, it's not gonna appeal to everybody. It's just not. And and so they really have to kind of look for really diverse personalities and characters, people's char- character to, to fill the show, I think. is I think so. I think that's why you see such a such a array of, of personalities, you know, being passed. Mm-hmm. OK, so after all this, I mean, and I want to get a, we want to get a little bit into like, what are you doing now? And I think this yeah. might lead into that a little bit is after all this. If I was like, hey, I've I've never, you know, I'm interested in maybe learning some survival skills, interested in getting outside, but I'm, I'm maybe kind of new to it. What would be, you know, the most essential skills that maybe I should start with from your perspective? Uh, most essential skills of, of getting into the outdoors is, is just starting small. So sometimes I see people and they're like, oh, hey, you know, I just went for a snowshoe today or I just went for a walk today and it was really cold and they just feel like you know what didn't work was my clothing <laughs> and so they're like next time I'm gonna wear a balaclava or I'm gonna wear an extra layer or put one in my backpack and that's all that it takes and then as you get more experience doing more and more of those little steps those little things you're gonna be the type who can go out on a you know get dropped off in a subarctic adventure <laughs> yeah. you know it doesn't not everything has to be that extreme though. Right. But you know what I mean? Like you just kind of do little, little bits at a time and, yeah. and, and, and slowly start pushing yourself out of the comfort zone until you get enough experience to go, okay, I now have enough experience to know that I don't in fact know everything and that this could go really bad if I'm just not a little bit careful here. So I don't need to like go out and buy myself, you know, a brand new ax, a brand new knife, a brand new fire starter, like no. full Gore-Tex, everything. I don't need to deck out on all the clothing first. I could just go and have some smaller experiences first. 
Yeah, I've never been an advocate of of, of people ha- going out and spending a bunch of money on things because for the most part, you're just not going to need it. I mean, at some point along your way, as your adventures get more and more serious, yeah, you're going to want to you know, invest in a, my, my sleeping bag's like a minus 50 mountain hardware. It's got a waterproof baby bag. It's feather. It's down. You know what I mean? Yeah. It is not cheap. It is bloody expensive. I yeah. bought that to go on the TV show. My entire life up to this point, spending nights out on the ice, sleeping in the woods, was like an old Coleman sleeping bag with sheepskin fur on the inside and lots of long johns and wool socks. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I was just fine, but yeah. I couldn't take that on the TV show. It needed to fit a certain spec for mm-hmm. being able to fit in your backpack. And, and so, and so no. And it's like, people always ask me like, what's the best knife? And I'm like, one you're comfortable using. Yeah. Mine is like, people are like, yeah, but what about you? And I'm like, oh no, like here, it's my Leatherman. It's always on my belt. And they're like, but that's not a knife. And I'm like, hey, (laughs) it's just fine. (laughs) Um, And so just get comfortable using those those tools. And if you want to upgrade because it's fun or you have a super interest in it, yeah, upgrade it and then do those things. But getting out and just going for walks or, you know, go camping in the summertime, which leads to going camping in the fall, which leads to going camping in the wintertime. It's just a gradual process. I don't recommend going off to the subarctic to go camping tomorrow. Like that's, <laughs> yeah. if you've never been, if you've never camped outside in the yeah. summertime, it's probably not gonna not gonna be real well for you. It's not the entry point. Yeah, yeah don't do that. <laughs> so, Michelle, what are you um, doing now? How are you spending your time? Did you buy back any of your animals? Did you pick up both of the jobs that you let go? I did not. So when I sold off all my animals or mostly just gave them away, it was really hard for me to do that. Like it made me really sad. Um, And so when I came back from the TV show, like I said, there was a a really long mental and physical thing to really get over my, myself and that experience and put it in a positive light. So I, I didn't, I wasn't even able to actually like basically dress myself first thing in the morning without second guessing what I was putting on my body because I was pretty broken. Um, but I have a friend who owns a fishing camp uh, in Northern Saskatchewan and he, um, he kind of knew what was going on with me to an extent. And he said, Hey, like you, you know, you've been with me in the past. Why don't you come up in the winter time and come help me? And so I did that. And so that kind of started me on this process of just being a full-time guide, which is what I'm doing right now. So I've done a lot of hunting and fishing and stuff in the past and taking people out, but I wasn't being paid for it as a guide. I was just, you know, doing that for folks. Mm-hmm. So I ended up uh, guiding for Bryce uh, for a season. I worked in the Yukon up in the mountains as a, as a big game guide. Wow. I came back, I worked in Saskatchewan guiding for black bear and whitetail and migratory birds and you know basic that's what i do now full time so i've moved from um from being a homesteader to just to guiding year round so it's a full i guided last year for basically like 10 of the 11 months that i was gone one month i spent just hauling in supplies into a fishing camp wow so yeah I work in this year. I only work in Saskatchewan because of COVID and, and lockdowns and such. Uh, next year, I hope to work again in the Yukon or somewhere like that. Uh, yeah. in the mountains. And yeah, so that's what I, that's what I'm doing now. Loving it. And found a job that pays me to be outdoors every day, riding, <laughs> riding quads and riding horse and hunting. Yeah. It's kind of, awesome. uh, kind of a good thing for me. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's amazing. Okay. Uh, I think we have two questions that we yep. ask everybody to wrap mm-hmm. up. So, um, if you, where would be your favorite place, favorite outdoor place to like go adventuring in Saskatchewan? Uh, I'm definitely in love with my fishing camp up North. So that's on a Squadigan Lake. Um, we do fine fishing trips in the summertime in the winter. It's only accessible by snowmobile either from where on Stanley mission and, it's remote enough to make me happy, you know, when I got generator power and it's all set up and there's no running water in the winter time. Um, you know, and, and I just, I really, 
really love that place. It's right up at the top of the Nistoyak Falls, which is oh, wow. extremely picturesque mm-hmm. in Saskatchewan. If you've not been there, um, look me up on Facebook or wherever and, and uh, you know, I can set you up. But I definitely love that. And then now, you know, I'd say my second favorite place is this other camp I'm working out of is just east of, uh, east of Prince Albert. And uh, it's like, you know, Great Grey Outfitters, Western Tokyo Outfitters. And I'm taking that camp from a hunting, what was purely a hunting camp. And this next winter, I'm going to have it set up for kind of an all-season destination. So I'm going to be offering like snowmobile rides, snowshoeing, cross-country skiing, maybe some horse rides, cool. ice fishing, that sort of stuff out of that camp. Because it's, again, it's a little bit easier to get to to drive up. It's not super far. Um but it's really beautiful and it's right on the snowmobile trails. So I just love being able to get out, um, get out into nature and into the wild and just, and just live without, I guess, the the need for technology or feeling like you have to constantly upgrade or compete with somebody. It's just, <laughs> it's just about living then, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. and I really, really appreciate those, those areas in Saskatchewan. Which leads us to our final question, Michelle. Uh, If you could change one thing about the world, what would it be? I, I, you know what? I think that the world would be a lot better place if, uh, if everybody had just a little bit more compassion, a little Mm -hmm. bit more understanding for what other people are going through, um, and being able to see things from other people's perspective. I guess a little bit of compassion would go a long way long way into changing some of what's going on going on in this world right now wholeheartedly agree yeah i'm with you (laughs) there (laughs) um so michelle it's been great to chat with you today where can people go to learn more about you learn more about your work maybe connect with you so my instagram under my name just michelle ann walbert uh it's pretty easy i have a facebook page also uh it's under my business's name legacy survival training uh, dash Michelle Ann Wahlberg. And I do have, um, you know, of course I have a YouTube page, but it's pretty well dead. I realized I just didn't have the time or the effort to make videos. Yeah. Um, you've done a lot of that before. Yeah. yeah. Other than the 60 second, 60 second clips that I've now put on uh, TikTok. So I've been sharing here with the TikTok because it's a lot easier to create those little bursts of videos, you know, um, Mm -hmm. which again is just under my name, Michelle Ann Wahlberg. And yeah, and from there, I link to the business pages that I'm affiliated with. Um, I currently don't have any sponsors from anybody. I should mention that. So anything that uh, I pitch or talk about is because I actually believe in it. And I believe in the places that I work for or are partnered with. So awesome. uh, nothing but honest reviews from me. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so that much for awesome. joining us, Michelle. Yeah, thanks for having me on, you guys. Thank you so much. So I learned a lot from Michelle about like behind the scenes from alone. And I can't believe the strength that it takes to not only just be alone for those 48 days, but the recovery after. And, and she was, she was uh, um, pretty candid with the struggles that she went through after. And I, I really appreciated hearing about that because we don't see the cameras rolling after people leave. Right. So. Yeah. It's, it's crazy to think about like a, yeah. What, what happens next? So you almost can have like a whole series of like after alone, you know, like, what does that right? look like? What, yeah. what happened? Well, so. I mean, even if you look at Michelle's life in 2016 compared to now, right? Like before the show and after the show, it's, yeah. it's completely different for her. So yeah. I, I can see that it changed her yeah. and it's, it's nice that she had some positive takeaways as well. Did, uh, did you have any big, uh, takeaways for yourself from talking with Michelle? Um, I, I liked her advice to start small and, um, and I think that's something that I battle with all the time when I, like, when I'm going outdoors, I'm like, oh my goodness. Well, I like, I do this, let's talk outdoors podcast. And here I am, it's minus 50 outside and I'm choosing to stay inside or something like that. Right. And there's, there's always that battle that I'm, that I'm not doing enough and that I'm not like going hard enough in the outdoors. So, so just hearing like, Hey, start small baby steps and that's okay. Um, that's, that's good. That's good advice. And it's reassuring for me. Yeah. That was actually what I had jotted down as, as a big takeaway for me too, is like start small, but also, uh, push your comfort a little bit. So like, you know, yeah. Okay. I can camp when it's like 
you know, plus 15 at night. Let's, let's try, let's push into shoulder season. Let's go for a little fall. And then maybe, Mm -hmm. and then maybe that might lead you to, to the next steps, but, um, you know, keeping just, or even going for a walk. Okay. Now maybe I put some snowshoes on now I'm going for a snowshoe and maybe I'm walking a little bit further or whatever. So I like that idea of start small, but keep pushing yourself yourself. a little bit more, not like, you know, go to the mountains after walking around the block, but like, you know, (laughs) get work work forward. So I like that idea. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, Me too. Awesome. Well, if you enjoyed this podcast, make sure you, you know, share it with somebody else that you think might appreciate it. If you want to keep up to date on all the latest content, make sure you subscribe in whatever podcast listening thing you are using. That's it for us today. Have a great day. This podcast is produced in association with Sask Outdoors. Check us out online at saskoutdoors.org.